Welcome to the Opera Biz Podcast, uncut and unfiltered, where we hang out with opera professionals and talk about life inside the industry. I'm your host, Daniel Welch. Um, anyways, thank you for, I'll not give myself extra audio, thank you for taking the time to, Yeah. how long was your rehearsal? Do this after a rehearsal? Um, a Wagner rehearsal, no less. Oh, no, no was, today was Tito. Right. No, today was Tito. Um, we started at 11, and we finished at 5.20. Yeah. Yeah. And here you are. And here Still I am. doing an interview. Same room. Same room. <laughs> Have not left. Yeah. Took off the pants. That, no, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be a dude in a dress. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Every time I've worn a dress, I've still been a dude. That's a lie. I've never actually worn a dress. I have worn heels, though. Have you? Yes. So chat with me a little bit about how you ended up here Oh. in this room. I'm, when, did, when, did you, when did you start singing? Uh, were you one of those I always grew up singing? Um, kind of. I, I mean, my mom's story is that, I don't know, I was like three years old, and I said in child voice, hey, turn it up. And she said, why? And I said, it's Rocket Man, and it, only like two notes had played, so she swears that I was always musical, but I really did um, Annie in my hometown when I was six, and I wasn't Annie. I was in the chorus, yeah. and they threw me in one of those laundry baskets, yep. and I just loved being on stage, and I started voice lessons after that and just kept with it. Nice. Yeah. It's always what I wanted to do. Like As soon as I started, I, I knew that that was it. So how did you land on opera? Because obviously there's a lot of different directions you can go singing-wise. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that worked out. Like, I did children's chorus. Okay. And then someone at the children's chorus recommended a teacher at Longy. And then she recommended performing arts high school. And mm -hmm. we would do opera in performing arts high school. Nice. Yeah, so. Okay, yeah, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense then. Yeah, it was it was this kind of gradual pro progression. It was always classical, but yeah. then more focused on opera in high school. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that I wanted to sing opera for a really long time. Yeah. Even when I started at Walnut Hill, I just, my high school, I kind of just thought like, I'm going to go and learn how to sing classically and then I can do whatever I want with it. But That's Boston? Uh, just outside of Boston, okay. yeah, Natick. Um, but it just clicked, yeah. you know, like all, it was always music. Yeah. Do you so, play other instruments? I wish. I really wish I played piano. It's one thing I'm really glad my parents made me do. It would make my life so much easier. It's really great to get a score and be like, okay, I, harmonically I see kind of like what he's doing here. Yeah. And I used to, I don't have the chops anymore, but I used to be able to sit down and play through a score. And it was great. I can basically do like some recit and, you know, plunking out the vocal line, but anything more than that, I would have to really practice. And I don't have time for that. <laughs> you have time to practice your singing. Yeah. And then sleeping. That's... That's what you've got time for. That's pretty much it. Maybe I'll squeeze the gym in there. Maybe. 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 <laughs> I've been slacking the last two weeks. I was like, all right, I need to get back to working out. And I tried everything. I was like, God, all this sucks. Yeah. And then I bought new gloves. And I was like, oh, there's actually a boxing room at the Y right down here. Yep. And so I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing now. So now I go there and box. Yeah, just like my gloves are in works. my bag. And I'm going to go box after oh, this. Oh, sweet. Just to, I need, some, I, need to hit, like, I need to hit something in order to feel like I'm not working out like it's more fun even if it's a heavy bag yeah but when you fight with somebody else man it is a brutal workout i mean it's unbelievably exhausting 
I think I would just get really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that, like I'm, I'm too, I'm, little, I'm just a have. little too clumsy for that. No, you, it ends up helping you if you're clumsy, oh. because a huge part of fighting is learning kind of the parameters of what your body does. You could also fence. Fencing sounds fun. It's and you, it sounds useful. I feel like there are so many skills you need as an opera singer, though. Like, fencing makes sense, or sword yeah. fighting completely makes sense. And then, you know, flying, like, in the ring. Yes. <laughs> Another skill I didn't know that I would need. <laughs> you didn't think that was ever going to come up? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How much of that have you done so far? Well, we've had two performances. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much actual air time have you spent? You know, just the weeks leading up to the rehearsal. Yeah. I started rock climbing to prepare for it. Yeah. I thought, you know, the harness and right. being, you know, bullied would be kind of similar, but it's entirely different. Really? Yeah. What are, what are some of the, like, the significant differences? Well, Because my, my brain logically would go to the same place. Yeah, the rock climbing harness, like, pulls you from the front of yeah. your body. That's so you get to sit into it. Yeah. Which is way more comfortable than being pulled, like, above your belly button in the back. Oh, Yeah. And so all the pressure is in the front of your hips when you're flying. That sounds awkward. It's really awkward. And there's like <laughs> way more um, like straps that they tighten in the yeah. front. So instead of just like having one around your waist, there's four that go like from below your hip to above your belly button. Well, because you have to be balanced in kind of a certain position in order for it to look right from stage. Yeah. And I mean, I think they want to make sure that you're really safe. <laughs> so you're saying that flying accidents on stage are a bad thing. Oh, geez. They keep saying they're like, oh, this wire that's holding you could lift a car. I'm like, yeah, great. It feels like a regular rope, but nope. I trust them. Yeah, you don't wait anywhere near enough for it to be an issue. <laughs> well, I'm always eating backstage. Like, my dressers give me such a hard time because I bring like this kind of a bag with me. Yeah. And it's just filled with food. Yeah. And all I do when I'm in my dressing room, when like I'm not on stage, is I'm snacking or eating, <laughs> learning music and eating and eating. And so Nancy was like, oh, you can eat way more now. <laughs> and, and she's like, don't worry, it takes one to know one. <laughs> it's just that I'm a slow eater, so I have to eat a lot. How much time do you have to sit, spend in the harness for a show? Um, so if the show starts at 1, and then we have like a slight music rehearsal at 12.30, the... Harness guys arrive 45 minutes before curtain. Okay. So I have to use the bathroom before 12.15, then get the harness on, then have the music rehearsal. Then at eight minutes till the top of the show, they'll call us to the stage where we have to like walk down these stairs. You know, the dress doesn't really move that much. So you're shuffling downstairs, shuffling all the way to like... That's right, I forgot about that dress. Yeah. Oof. You're shuffling to like the bowels of the Met and like you're like trying to navigate all these pipes and you climb up these stairs and then you're just kind of lying there for however long it takes for the box office to close and for the people to get seated in the house. So on opening night, I want to say we were there for like 20 minutes, yeah. just lying on our stomachs under, you know, the planks that are downstage, just kind of waiting for everyone to get seated so we could start. <laughs> so it's like, at least an hour before the show starts that yeah. we're wearing those harnesses. That's a long time. It's a long time. Up. And it's a long time to not pee before you go on stage. Seriously. <laughs> so you have to like plan out your hydration. I was just going to say, considering how much you want to be hydrated for a show. Yeah. And how much, I mean, you're drinking tea right now. 
everybody, you're always <laughs> carrying around a beverage. Like that's or multiple beverages. Or multiple you know. beverages. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. And then you'd be like, all right, and now you can't pee for an hour and a half. Good luck. Yep. Have fun. And of course, then like, you know, oh, I'm going to go fly in front of everyone. And then you get the nerves and you're like, oh, God, I have to pee now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Performance nerves. You even think about that aspect, too. Oh, my God. Was, was this the first show that you've flown for? Yes. Yeah. And I think. At least you're starting with a great crew for it. Absolutely. I mean, oh the my best God. of the best. The guys that work on this show are incredible. I, I loved that on opening they brought out the entire crew on stage and there was just this huge group bow with everyone. Yeah. Because this show could not happen without an entire army. Exactly. I mean, even when we're downstage before we fly, there are at least 14 other people just in that hidden area. We're in like a two by two kind of like cubby situation. Yeah. And there's someone that hooks me up to the rope and then there's someone else that like straightens me out so I fly vertically and it's crazy yeah i mean it's it's a pretty awesome experience that you actually get to do that in an opera no less oh yeah if i'm gonna fly i want to do it here yeah oh you for know. sure i feel safe here <laughs> <laughs> it's not some uh you know small pay to sing in italy that's like we should uh, we should oh, fly God. you in and see what happens <laughs> real casual like i don't know i think it would be slightly less scary if i was being like flown from the ceiling though instead of by the machine yeah 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 yeah. which was really surprising because the whole time i was so excited to be in this production i was like oh i'm gonna fly it's gonna be badass like i didn't anticipate having any nerves or fears about it until i actually saw the machine for the first time (laughs) and it's really intimidating how is it now that you've done it several times it's better yeah it's better you still have a little bit of the the nerves about it yeah, because, you know, you hear all the clanking and everything of, you know, the wave machine moving and things adjusting. Yeah. So I just, like, I'm lying there. I scoot out to my mark so I can be lifted straight up and think, okay, I'm a mermaid. I'm going to swim. It's going to be beautiful. And then as soon as it lifts me up, I'm like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> Smile, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yes. This is why I love live theater because... <sighs> Some, sometimes, like, I know what's going on in the heads of the people on stage. Like, it looks amazing. They're like, nope, I know, I know what's going on there. Yeah, just smile and move your arms, and <laughs> it'll be okay. Look at the prompt box. There's no red light. I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm a mermaid. I'm a mermaid. <laughs> Flying above the Met stage. But the thing is, you can't see anyone in the house. Really? All you can see is the floor below you. I can see, you know, my Schwestern. Yeah. And I can see the bubbles that it's you know, on the machine. And I see all the guys that are in that little cubby down there preparing for Alberich to come up. Yeah. And I can just see them, like, working down there. <laughs> it's, it's kind of surreal. And also, I mean, you have to, I would assume, mentally go through that process of, yes, yeah, still in character, in character. Oh, totally. The oh, whole totally. goddamn time. Yes. So this is your fifth show for the season? I covered uh, Marnie. Yeah. Mephistopheles, Adriana, Carmen, Rigoletto, uh-huh. Rheingold. So six. Yeah. Yes. I can't keep it all straight. <laughs> it's, you're living the dream. It's great. I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, there's nothing that could have prepared me for this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, like last week it was Clemenza Zitz in the morning, Rheingold in the evening, Clemenza in the morning, Rigoletto in the evening. 
and I kept coming in, and they added some new resident, and instead of saying, tu sei gelosa, I kept saying, tu sei gelosa, and everyone's like, no, Sam, it's tu sei, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why am I opening that? It's because I'm working on Rheingold and Gutedemmerung, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking in German, in German, German vowel combinations. <laughs> One of my old teachers did a lot of work in Central Europe, yeah. and I know that Germany especially used to do, they would translate everything into German. Mm-hmm. And she's like, there were definitely times, because Tosca was her big thing to sing. She's like, there were definitely times where we were singing Tosca in German. And I wouldn't pay attention, and I would just shift, and like an entire phrase would be in Italian. <laughs> and, then, and then she'd shift back. I love that. I, how, did you, how did you balance learning all the music? I started really early. Which is good. I mean, preparation is the one thing yeah. you can control. Yeah. Well, I knew for a while that, that this was going to be a tough season. Yeah. Um, just as far as pacing goes. Um, and Marnie was the most challenging. Yeah. Especially because it's a new opera, the score was changing a lot. And I had the London version, and then they made a, a few significant changes for the Met premiere. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was in Germany over the summer, and I was working on Rheingold and Gutedemmerung and kind of prepped as much as I could in advance. Yeah. Yeah. How much overlap? Were, how, what were you? Did, was there a lot of overlap in what you were learning simultaneously? Over the summer? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I need to prioritize this, this, and this, and I can brush up on this. It was, it's just like kind of creating a timeline. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never had to do this many operas in one season before, right. and some of them are m more complicated than others. You know, Rigoletto is... <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes more time getting into hair and makeup than I'm on stage for. Right. <laughs> the show starts, and 10 minutes after, I'm done. Right. And 10 minutes after that, I'm on my way home. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how I'm doing it. <laughs> Are you, have you always been a quick study when it comes to music? Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little frustrated right now because mentally I'm, I'm just getting a little tired, and it's yeah. not coming super fast. Yeah. Um, like my normal process is just like prepare a score, have it organized, and then I have like a playlist, and I'll listen to the playlist mm -hmm. subconsciously and just let the music absorb. Yeah. And then I can start digging into it. Um, and then once I sing through the opera a few times, then it's there. But at least with Goethe Demrung, some of the chromatic lines are driving me nuts, and they're just like not getting in there as fast while I'm also working on Tito. Right. <laughs> So it's it's challenging me to find new ways of learning music than what I usually do. Is there have you found any tricks? No. Specifically to help. I'm starting to write things out and and seeing if I can create like a, a visual map. Yeah. Because um, I I think I I just have to find a new way to access that part of my brain. Yeah. I German was the language that I always had to write everything out mm. without fail. It was the like. Italian, French stuff, it was okay. I would kind of have, you know, I'd, I'd do it one time when yeah. I was learning the text kind of thing, but German doesn't stick in my brain. Hmm. It just does not wedge itself in my brain. And if you had looked at my audition packet like five years ago, the only German thing that was in it was Wintersturmer. 
and everything else. And it was because I bounced back and forth between Helen Tenor, Verdi Baritone, Helen Tenor. Yeah. So I would bring Victor Schumer because I love the piece and uh-huh. I love that opera. So I was like, yeah, that I'll put in there. But I had to just spend hours writing the German out. I think that Wagner's also stop. like completely unique in, in the music of, yes. of the learning process. Um, it's, it's really tricky because the, the language is so much more dense. Mm-hmm. The music and the harmony is dense, especially singing the middle line. <laughs> yes. Um, Absolutely. I didn't think about that factor. That's what's hard. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, because he, he so much writes for the voice the way he writes for instruments, which is, I mean, that's the, that's the big Wagner thing. Everything's an instrument to me. Right. But I didn't think about singing the middle line. Yeah. It's, what's it's intentionally no Mozart. the filler <laughs> harmony parts. <laughs> that are probably a little weirder than some of the melody stuff. Very much so, yeah. What's your process for learning new and modern music, especially when you have access to um, the composers? Yeah. Um, I, I tend to work with David Hertzberg a lot. Mm-hmm. I love working with him, and I've been really lucky that he's written a few things for me. So he knows my voice, yeah. and, and he takes that on, into consideration with Marnie, since I was covering, um, I didn't have a lot of connection with Nico. Right. Um, I mean, I got to pick his brain and ask him questions about things, but, you know, it was for Isabel, and I, th- I think any flexibility was for her and for yeah. the, the work as a whole. Um, the process was really tough, I think, for Marnie, just because I hadn't tackled a score like that with the challenges of not necessarily hearing the harmonic impulse from my cues, mm-hmm. um, but also the the vocal line that was kind of, I don't know, bringing out the kind of schizophrenic personality that she has. Yeah. Like, her, her vocal line wasn't consistent through, like, any of the piece, and that's distinctly because of the different personas that she takes on. Right. So like anytime she was lying, she would be using, you know, different chromaticisms or she was, you know, in seconds with the accompaniment. So I don't know. Um, it was just a lot of repetition, a lot of color coding that score yeah. to try and, you know, memorize through conducting the different patterns. Um, Let's talk about the stuff that was, has been written for you. Sure. I would love to talk about that. How did you guys meet in the first place? Okay, so we went to high school together. Really? Uh, I met David during my freshman year at Walnut Hill. And he's like this tall beanpole, crazy curly hair and like vans. And we met and we were on this bus taking us to like a harbor cruise. It was one of those like... Things you do in New England. Things you do in New England and like (laughs) during orientation week, like meet your like your other students. Yeah. And I remember just sitting on the bus with David and he was telling me all about the Beatles. I was like, okay, I got to go listen to the Beatles. Um, And yeah, so we met in high school and then we didn't talk for years. We were at Juilliard at the same time together. And Opera Philadelphia had this kind of like workshop performance thing called Double Exposure. Mm -hmm. And they paired us up together. Nice. And it was so awesome. Um, and that's how we started working together. Just kind of came back together. Yeah, and that's we had a blast, wild. and it's been a great time ever since. So what stuff has he has he done specifically for you? Uh, so the or Rose Elf. with you. <laughs> uh, Rose Elf was, you know, kind of like his assignment for this double exposure thing. Yeah. And 
then he kind of melded it for me. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote this other opera called The Wake World, which they did in the barns. I didn't get to perform it, mm -hmm. sadly, but um, we did a recording of it last August. Nice. Um, which was really exciting. <laughs> There's There was like a 24-person choir, chorus, and, you know, Fender Rhodes, yeah. crazy instrumentation, like... We had this giant 14-foot ladder and a piece of sheet metal for <laughs> percussive use. Just awesome. I mean, yeah, he just sits down at the piano. He'll play through things. He'll sing it for me in his crazy voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just listen to that over and over again, and then we have, like, a jam session. Nice. But it's, it's really, like, it feels like Strauss. Yeah. Um, and the vocal line, it's so romantic, and it just blends completely into the orchestration or the piano part. And he kind of writes in a way that doesn't, it's not strict notation. So, like, you might see a crazy metered bar. Mm -hmm. And really what he's trying to do is just mimic the natural speaking rhythm yeah. of the text. Yeah. And... Um, it's he's he's always just like no follow Sam, <laughs> any nice. of the conductors, <laughs> and I feel so guilty. <laughs> he's like no just just do it exactly what but she was doing. But you put in your time with him and know how he writes. <laughs> oh exactly. And you so, know his musical language, yes. so it makes sense. Yeah. So when I was learning Wake World, for the recording, it was so much easier because I was like oh now I know you know this is similar line to uh, Roself. Yeah. I just saw one of his new pieces. Um, last week and I would hear tremolos that sounded like Roself and it's it's so cool having that kind of relationship with a composer and understanding their language. Yeah. It's like when you listen to Mozart and you say, Oh, that sounds like Nazi de Figaro and right. Oh, I, I hear a little bit of Clemenza in that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. If you had um, like if you had to pick a composer to sing repeatedly, who do you think it would be? Mozart. Yeah? Yeah. If I could sing Cozy every day of my life, I'd be happy. Really? I, I love ensemble music. I mean, arias are fun, but yeah. there's something so special about singing with other people. Yeah. And Mozart got that. That's why I liked learning Bohem Act Three, because you, learn, you have to learn everybody's parts all yeah. at the same time. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ensemble, massive scene that mm -hmm. is an entire act. Um, no, I agree with you. I like I like that kind of that interaction on stage is it's I mean, a unique it was, thing. Because anybody just, can get up and sing solo, but to yeah. do that kind of matching live yeah, is a totally different experience. I don't know. It's like pretty selfish if you just want to be up there by yourself all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I had um in this I did a podcast with Timothy Myers while I was out in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about a little bit was one of the big reasons he got into opera is because he wanted to collaborate with other musicians. When he was happiest was when he was collaborating with other musicians. Mm -hmm. He started out as a pianist, and he's like, I'm never going to do concert piano. Like, me yeah. up on stage is not gratifying. It's not satisfying. Right. I want to work with other people and put something together. Yeah. I was like, that makes total sense. But even coming into this building, that. it's, it, you know, it puts a smile on my face because I see the makeup artists and I see the directors and the other singers and... You know, it's really a job about working with other people and making things as a giant community. Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's so much that happens 
to put a show on stage of any at any house level. Oh yeah. Um, and we you know we tend to think about the singers. What's your favorite role that you've done so far? This season? At all. At all. Total. Ooh. I love Agrippina. Yeah? I like strong, evil kind of women. Um, <laughs> I, take her, I take her to a particularly evil, evil place. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you like to play characters that aren't who you would normally be? I don't think any characters are who I normally am. <laughs> That's good. I mean, that's that's acting, but I mean, other than the unfaithfulness, maybe Dorabella. Yeah. Because I think yeah, she's yeah, fun yeah. and kind of lighthearted. Okay, since we're talking about favorite stuff, what are a couple of your favorite moments in your career so far? Ooh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm so happy that I get to say this is my job. Yeah. You know, I really am living my dream. I get to show up at the best opera house in the world get to sing um even if it's a bitch to learn all the music you have to learn <laughs> yeah even if you know sometimes I get frustrated and tired and sick but you know this could happen at any job and I'm lucky that I get to come into this kind of place and I have wonderful colleagues and even if I'm having like a pretty shitty day or I don't feel good I walk up to a coaching and just because like someone will give me a hug and, you know, another colleague will send me, like, a sweet message. Yeah. Like, I'm really lucky. I, I, I work in a very loving and supportive environment. Yeah. Um, I mean, that right there is one. Yeah. Being able to walk into this house. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Living able, in New York City. Be able to walk into that stage door and have your Met ID card. Absolutely. It's got to be a rush. It mm. is. It's so surreal. Um, I think whenever someone knows who I am in the industry. <laughs> That's always surreal because I think that no one knows who I am. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I had, I had a bunch of people ask me who I was recording next when I was in Minnesota because you yeah. know, I, had, I did both Tim and Alan while I was there. And uh, they're like, oh, who are, you, who are you recording with next? And I, I named you and a couple other people. They're like, oh really? <laughs> like, people know who you are. Like people, that's so crazy to me. <laughs> Yeah. What um, was it like the first time you sang on that stage? Well, it was for the National Council auditions. Still. Terrifying. Yeah. Ooh, that's something that I had dreamed of for years. I was like, I want to win the, you know, Met competition by 24. Like, that's one of my goals on my bucket list, life goals. And, um, yeah, I couldn't sleep for weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would wake up around, like, 2 a.m. I had, like, a little panic attack. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay, you know working for this, it's gonna go fine. And the people that work here are incredible. You know, I remember being so nervous and then Gary came, one of the stage managers, he came and he held my hand and he walked me down to the side of the stage, he gave me some water, and then I went out and I did my job, I sang, I tried to express as best as I could and, you know, let go of the nerves. And it was just like, Someone held my hand, and it was the sweetest thing ever. It's like, I'm an adult. I don't necessarily need someone to hold my hand, but it was just such a kind gesture to yeah. try and, like, take some of that energy. Yeah. Um, He's been around forever. He can read oh, singers really well. 
I love him. Yeah. And he's on Rheingold now, and he was on Carmen. And when I saw him on Carmen, I went up and I gave him a big hug. I was like, oh, you're one of the people that stands out in my memory from that competition. And you yeah. made such a big difference in it for me. What was your debut role here? Uh, Pantalis in oh, Mephistopheles. That's right. Yes, that's right. That was a fun show. It was fun. And it, it wasn't particularly stressful, having had just covered Marnie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't need to look at the prompter. This is easy. <laughs> um, you know, I just sing my few words, very repetitive. Yeah. I Try and look graceful like a dancer. <laughs> what do you book for next season? Uh, in general? Here. Here. I come back from Manola School. Okay. And I'll be covering in Kachikabanova. Nice. And where else do you have stuff lined up? You're doing a bunch in Europe? I am, yeah. I'm starting a fest contract in Munich. Excellent. And uh, I'll also be in Dallas for nice. Magic Flute. Flute. It's busy. Yeah. It's not as busy. Um, and it's it's going to be nice to have a few roles that I've done before that I just get to refresh and do that new is, staging. That is the nice thing when you've learned a role and truly committed it to memory and performed it. Exactly. That when you do it later on, you're like, oh. I'm like so looking forward shoe. to that. <laughs> yeah, that was nice about this season. I had done Mercedes before mm -hmm. at Aspen, so just had to work out some old bad habits and yeah. refresh it, but the music was in my head. Um, I, uh, I cannot wait until there's a full season of just refreshing roles. <laughs> and I guarantee you, when you get there, you're going to be like, oh, why can't I do something new this season? <laughs> <laughs> well, then being, you know, the type A overachiever that I am, then I'll just keep adding things to my season and say, no, I need more new music. A singer who's an overachiever? <laughs> get out of here. I actually have to tell my fiance, I'm like, you need to help me say no. Make That's, sure I yeah. have more me time. Yeah. What are some of the challenges or things you've learned or highlights to this season at the Met? Yeah. I mean, this season has made you a hardened veteran. I mean, also, there are things that I learned in this season that, you know, I don't know how I would have gotten the experience any other way. Like what? Give me something. Ooh, like performing multiple nights a week, different operas, mm -hmm. while rehearsing other shows. Mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out how my body works when it comes to fatigue and being ill and yeah. not calling out sick. You know, I think that's like one of the big differences is in school, maybe you feel like it's okay to call in sick. I don't know. I never want to call in sick here. Yeah. I had the flu when I was coming into work. I didn't know I had the flu. Um, and, you know, I wanted to keep getting practice flying on the machine just to build up my confidence and one of the, the dressers, Susie, came in and she's like, you're sick, you gotta go home, I'm calling them, I'm, I'm letting them know you're, com you're going home, like, you're too sick to be here. <laughs> so then I saw the doctor that evening and he was like, yeah, you have the flu. Finally had to cancel a performance. And yeah. No, you don't wanna let them down and- No, of course not. And yeah, I don't wanna be like that person who's sick, <laughs> right. but you know, flu gets the best of us. Yeah, um, especially in New York this season, it's been, <gasps> it's been brutal. It was actually the first year I didn't get the flu shot because working so much, it makes you feel lousy for a few days. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't really feel like I had the time to get the flu shot, but I also didn't have the time to get the flu. So, <laughs> <laughs> double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, just kind of feeling like having this sense of community yeah. um, is not something I ever expected, yeah. especially working at the Met. Right. Um, kind of the comfort of being on the stage, that's really shocking, not having butterflies or nerves. Yeah. I'm sure that will come when I'm singing bigger roles, but I used to get nervous, and then I did the National Council auditions. And I had never experienced nerves like that. Yeah. And everything else was really chill afterwards. Yeah. And it's mostly like I just get to go out on stage and have a good time yeah. and do my job, share beautiful music with the audience. And, yeah. you know, I just really enjoy it. It's not a scary thing. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, oh, should I have some nerves? Does but that mean I'm not taking this seriously? But I am. But it's part of that is that if you are adequately prepared yeah your nerves are already gonna be low oh of course but if you are extremely prepared which you seem like the type of person who goes out of their way to be extremely <laughs> prepared for everything it, it gives you even more yeah. leeway there to kind of play with stuff it's just really surreal thinking like i don't get a lot of nerves and i'm performing for like almost four thousand people yeah do you think that has anything to do with how comfortable you are in your voice, even as a young singer, or what you've learned about your voice along the way? Or are you still kind of playing with exactly where certain things sit and what's really super comfortable and, uh, you know, are more things coming to light as you perform? I think, it's, I think it's tough with younger voices, just because, at least for me, I'm really trying to explore and figure out what the hell my fach is yeah. and, like you know, what really is comfortable and where my voice speaks. But, you know, I mean, that's so much of that kind of mentality is your American conservatory education. Oh, yes. <laughs> as opposed to... I mean, everyone's trying to fit you in a box, and it's like, voices don't work like that. Yeah. Look at any of the greats. They kind of just sang whatever spoke to them. Exactly. And that's exactly. what we need to be looking for. People who have something to say in the music that they're singing, not music that fits their voice perfectly. Mm -hmm. We have a weird obsession with... Labels. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Here. It's problematic. I mean, also, I understand the need for it, but singers in conservatory, myself included, were taught that, you know, you need this repertoire list and you need this category, this category. No one's going to ask for that once you're not applying for young artist programs or competitions or... You know, and, and it makes you feel, like, really stuck. Like, I have to sing Mozart and handle, you know, and then have something from late romantic and modern. It's like most people aren't r performing repertoire like that varied. Yeah. I mean, I understand as a young singer. The flexibility is important. Or if somebody who's casting is really trying to figure out where you fit into their specific program. But young people don't really fit anywhere yet. We have to just experience it and explore. Yeah. But there are people who can like rock out coloratura, and then people who oh totally can't sing that line at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in that case, maybe then just don't put it in your audition packet. Yeah. Rather than being like, uh, you have to have something broke here. Yeah. I mean, hey, I can sing Rossini. I love Rossini, but I know that there are people who are going to sing it way better than I can, and yeah. I should let them do it, and I can focus more on the things that I'm going to excel at. Yeah. Instead of beating myself up that it wasn't perfect. <laughs> But you have to sing a whole bunch of shit to find that out. Absolutely. And you have to, you know, do 14 performances as Rosina and a few Chenerentolas and... A few casual Chenerentolas. <laughs> two. I did two. And it was exhausting. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, mostly because there was like... It was uh, dress rehearsal, final dress rehearsal, and then I had a day off. But it's like... 
doing Chenarentula like back to back and then one day before opening, it was for me yeah. <laughs> not being a true Rossini singer. Yeah. Um, a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. But you know, everyone is like, you're, you're young, you should sing Rossini. It's, it's good for you. It's healthy. And I don't disagree with that, but mentally I would beat myself up too much. Yeah. And, um, I could sing Strauss way better. <laughs> and there's a, always a call for people who can sing Strauss well. Yeah. I was, I was at Marilla, like they had me, I was doing Chenarentula. And then for the final scenes program, there was like an excerpt from Ariadne. And I didn't give myself that much time to learn it. Yeah. And I picked that up and it felt just like going home. Like yeah. it was the most natural, good, easy singing feeling. Yeah. And Chenarentula was so much work in the kind of like mentally exhausting way that you don't want. So when is your next break? When do you get to relax and <laughs> um, learn August. your new music? <laughs> August. I have August off, and I'm getting Excellent. married. Congratulations! Thank you. Are you getting married here or back home? Um, somewhere, somewhere warm, not here. Originally, we were going to get married upstate. Uh -huh. I thought I can plan, you know, an upstate wedding from Manhattan. But uh, truth be told, it was too much for me. I've never been to a wedding, and trying to plan one, it's it's, it's a it's lot. No small feat. No. I have one day off a week, so yeah, it's like you know, work and wedding, it was just too much. And we're not like very like socially, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like we're social people, but like, I don't know. You we're do, not It's not a wedding people. where you want to invite 700 people to it. We kept seeing Ben and he was like, throw the best party of your lives. And we're like, we're not party people. Like, <laughs> I can completely see him saying that. Yeah, he's like, throw the ultimate party you'd want to go to. And Hunter and I are just like, but we don't really want to go to parties. <laughs> so you don't throw a wedding like yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to do something like really small and intimate with family. Nice. And then do like lots of outdoorsy, adventure stuff. I'm so much more looking forward to the marriage than an eight-hour, very expensive celebration. Is he here? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of which, you're taking up plenty of your time. You get to go home and relax. I do. I get to try and zone out. Try and zone out. What you call tomorrow? Oh, yes. For more information about today's guest, visit our website at operabizpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show with two interview episodes and two social media soundbites each month. You can find me directly on Instagram at The Beard and Lens, and the podcast Instagram is at Opera Biz. Thanks for listening to the Opera Biz Podcast.